everyone. Welcome to Novel Ideas, episode number 82. I'm Candace Huber, your host and the owner of Tubby & Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans. Novel Ideas is all about what I do best, books and board games. I bring you news, discussions, interviews, and more every month. And most importantly, I make your TBR and or gaming list that much longer. This month, I'll catch you up on some book industry news, give you a bookstacle of our best-selling books so far this year, discuss our book of the month, Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse, and bring you an interview with Lania Knight, author of the sci-fi novel, Remnant. That lovely song you're hearing is Brave by Jonathan Colton off his newest album, Solid State. Grab a cup of your favorite beverage, pull up a chair, and let's chat. Let's start with some book industry news. So one of the biggest pieces of news that I found is that Stranger Things books are coming. I was very excited about this. Announced via Deadline, Penguin Random House is partnering with Netflix on a worldwide publishing deal for a series of books based on Stranger Things, the TV show. The first two books are aiming for a fall release of this year, and it will be a behind-the-scenes companion book and a hardcover gift book for younger readers. The companion book is going to be released under the title Stranger Things World Turned Upside Down, the official behind-the-scenes companion. And the gift book doesn't have a title yet, but they say it will offer, quote, advice, wisdom, and warnings from the Stranger Things world. So these two books are going to be followed in the spring of next year, 2019, with a Stranger Things prequel novel, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be written by author Gwenda Bond, and it will go into detail on the backstory of Eleven's mom and the MK Ultra program. So even more titles are going to arrive sometime later next year. They're planning a whole big thing, a whole big line of books. And the third season of Stranger Things I don't think is set to come out until early next year, 2019. So I assume some of these books will serve as to tide fans over until uh, the next season comes out. An audiobook is also set for the prequel novel about Eleven's mom. There is unknown, you know, they haven't released yet if the actors from the series are going to factor into the audiobooks or not. So I'm really, really excited. I love Stranger Things. I really am hoping these books will be good and take a look on that. So spring of this year, there will be a or fall of this year, there will be two like gift hardcover gift books. And in next year is going to be that prequel novel. So take a look out for that. Obviously, we will have them all at Tubby and Coos as well. Last month, I announced that The Expanse had been canceled from sci-fi, but... There's good news for fans because Amazon has picked it up for season four. There's no word on when it will officially air, but it has been saved. So that is great news. It will be on Amazon Prime. So take a look out for that as well. Keep a look out for it if you're a fan of The Expanse. And speaking of The Expanse, authors James S.A. Corey are writing a new space opera trilogy. So if you're a fan of The Expanse and you're a fan of James S.A. Corey, you may or may not know that James S.A. Corey is actually two authors, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. And so they are writing a brand new space opera trilogy. Orbit, Orbit Books announced that it has signed them on for three books of a new space opera series. 
Rather than being part of the Expanse universe, this will be a new series that's set in a completely different world. So in the press release, Ty Frank noted that where the Expanse drew on things like Ridley Scott's film Alien, the new series is going to be their exploration of the high-concept science fiction that followed with books like Dune and Hyperion and The Left Hand of Darkness. Abraham says that it's a big spectacle far future space opera while never losing our focus on the complexity of human nature in these strange new settings. There is no title or cover art for the series that have been announced yet, but Orbit says that the trilogy will hit bookstores after the final installment of the Expanse series is published next year. The final Expanse book comes out in 2019, so this new trilogy won't come out until after the Expanse is done. So, that is all of the book industry news that I have for today. You can get details and links to all of that news I discussed in the show notes on our website, www.tubbyandcoos.com slash blog. And now it's time for a bookstacle. This segment is a play on the listicle articles that have become so popular, wherein I give you a list of great books. In this bookstacle, I'm going to give you a list of our top 10 best-selling books of 2018 so far at Tubby and Coos Mid-City Bookshop. So I'm going to start at the bottom. So I'm going to start with number 10. Our number 10 best-selling book of 2018 so far is Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. This book originally came out in 2011. Of course, the movie came out this year in 2018, which has probably been why the book's been selling well also. And in this book, it is basically Willy Wonka meets The Hunger Games about a computer programmer from the 80s who builds this virtual reality world and then dies and he hides a video game Easter egg in the world and says that the first person who finds it will inherit his fortune. And so that's Ready Player One. It was number 10 on our list. Number nine is Unfathomable City by Rebecca Solnit and Rebecca Snedeker. This is a local book of, it's a New Orleans atlas, but it's reimagined maps of the city. And so they mash up things together, like they'll have the parade routes for Mardi Gras parades and also all of the Oak Street corridors on the same map. So it's things like that where it's reimagined and and sort of mash up maps. And there are essays that are paired with the maps as well. This is my favorite New Orleans book. I recommend it all the time probably why it's on this list. So number nine was Unfathomable City by Rebecca Solnit and Rebecca Snedeker. Number eight was Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Again, this movie came out this year, which has probably contributed to the sales of the book because it is an older book as well. This book is what's called, quote, weird fiction, and it is all about the environment. There is this area called Area X that has been cordoned off from the rest of the world and weird things are happening there and a team of people, all women, are sent in. uh, They're scientists and they're trying to figure out what's going on with the world. Again, that movie was released as well. The book is really great. If you haven't read it yet, I really, really liked the first book, Annihilation. It's also really short and it's the first in a trilogy called the Southern Reach Trilogy. So that is number eight, Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Number seven is A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel, I believe is how you pronounce it. Again, the movie came out this year, and so I'm sure that contributed to the sales of the book. 
This is a middle grade book, obviously, about a little girl who um, has to save her dad. And the movie, again, came out this year as well. I loved this book when I was a kid, so I also highly recommend it for people who have kids, probably between the ages of... If they're like six or seven and a really good reader, they could read it. Um, but I would probably say eight to ten years old. And so that's number seven, A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle. Number six is The Casket Girls by Elise Arden. Elise is a local author. She was born here in New Orleans. She lives half in New York, half in New Orleans now. And The Casket Girls is the first book in her trilogy, and it takes place here in New Orleans, and it's about vampires and witches, and it takes three different New Orleans like vampire myths and weaves them together into this story. Her second book, The Romeo Catchers, is already out as well. But because it's a series, the first book continues to sell really well. And so that is number six, The Casket Girls by Elise Arden. Number five is The Power by Naomi Alderman. This book came out, I believe, at the end of last year, and this poses the question, what if only women got superpowers? And so in this book, women get the power to conduct electricity, and it explores that and what would happen to the world uh, if that happened. It's really good. I've been recommending it to a lot of people, thus why it's number five on this list. And so that is number five, The Power by Naomi Alderman. Number four is The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. This is the first book in the Broken Earth trilogy, which is one of my favorite trilogies of all time. Again, probably why it's high on this list, even though the book is not new. And in the Broken Earth trilogy, in the fifth season, the first book, it follows uh, women at three different points in their lives. So the first is like a 40-ish year old woman who discovers her baby has been murdered by her husband and so she sets off to go after her husband who has also kidnapped her daughter there's another woman who is in her 20s who is uh, at the fulcrum which is kind of like their magic training prison and then there's another little girl who is uh, about to head off to the fulcrum and so it follows those three different people at the after the end of the world Really great. One of my favorite trilogies of all time. This is my favorite book of the trilogy. And that's number four, The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. Number three is Midnight Arcade by Gabe Soria. He is a local author, and Midnight Arcade is a choose-your-own-adventure book that uh, gives you two different video games that you can play through in book form. It's really cool. It's great for kids. I think that's why it's sold so well for both kids and for gamers, just for anyone who likes to play games. And also it's nostalgic for people who like those old choose-your-own-adventure books. So that is number three, Midnight Arcade by Gabe Soria. Number two is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. This is another one that I've been recommending a lot. It's brand new. It's gotten a lot of press and marketing. The film rights have already been bought for it. And it is a really great book. It's YA. And I tell people that it is Black Panther meets Harry Potter. So if you like those two things, you should definitely read the book. It was really good. Her world building's phenomenal. I did a book review and this was our book of the month as well. So you can go back and look at all of those things if you're interested in more information. But that's number two, Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. 
number one, our number one best-selling book of 2018 so far for the first half of the year is The City of Lost Fortunes by Brian Camp. Brian was actually on our podcast um, a couple of months ago and promoting this book. And this is a really great book. We've sold a lot of copies of it. It it, it takes place in New Orleans. Uh, he writes really, really well about New Orleans. And it is about a... A demigod, he does not know who his father is. He has the power to find lost things, which post-Katrina is really overwhelming. He sits in on this poker game of the gods. They're all trickster gods. And one of the gods, the fortune god of New Orleans, is murdered at this poker game. And then the main character, Jude, has to try and figure out that mystery and unravel who killed him, who killed the fortune god and why. It's a really great book. I've been recommending it. That's why it is number one on our list, The City of Lost Fortunes by Brian Camp. No surprise that several of these bestsellers match with movie adaptations released this year. And so if you want to get any of these books, they are all available at the bookstore. And now it's time for our book of the month. Each month, I'll introduce you to one of my picks and announce the book for next month so you can read along if you so choose. You can also discuss our books of the month and get updates in our discussion group on Goodreads. Just search for Tubby Ampersand Coos with an apostrophe S or the link will also be in the show notes. This month's pick is Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse. Trail of Lightning is Roanhorse's debut novel, and it's set on a post-apocalyptic earth on what used to be the Navajo Reservation. Our main character, Maggie Hosky, is a monster slayer with clan powers and a bad attitude. She's gone into hiding after a run-in with her mentor, but she's coaxed out when a little girl goes missing, and it's suspected a monster is the reason. When Maggie catches the monster, she realizes that something is wrong and she teams up with an unconventional, fabulous medicine man to unravel the mystery of the monsters that plague Donata. I loved the monster fighting, of course, in this book. As you all know, I am a fan of the TV show Supernatural, and the monster fighting was really reminiscent of that. There was a lot of action in it. I love that as well. But what I liked the most about this book was how honest and sincere it was. Roan Horse tackles abuse realistically and well, and her main character is not overly perfect despite having clan powers, and I really appreciated that. Every character in the group is indigenous, and the myths of indigenous people also come into play in the story. I really enjoy learning about those characters and about those stories. The book really gave me a perspective that I have not personally seen a lot of, and I really appreciated that and enjoyed that, and I'm so glad this book exists. If I have any complaints about the book, I have to be really nitpicky here, but if I had any complaint, it's the same complaint that I usually have about pretty much any book, and that is that parts of the romance element here seemed unnecessary to me. In this case, I understood why it was there and why the author chose to uh, show this romance. But I also thought that there were other ways the author could have achieved the same goal. And in that case, I'm always like, if there's another way to do it, do it that way, because I'm just personally not a fan of romance. But it's her story, not mine. I respect the decisions she made. And that is really just my own nitpicky thing with romance. Also, I thought one of the characters... Uh, the unconventional medicine man character was a little tad overpowered in the book. 
And I'm wondering if that's because this is the first book in a trilogy and maybe he's going to come into play more later on. But he seemed a bit overpowered in this book. But really, those complaints are nitpicky and minor. I really had to search hard to try and find something to complain about or something to criticize for this book. I really, really enjoyed it. The characters were endearing. I really cared about what happened to them. Even the secondary characters, I really cared about what happened to them. The plot kept me on my toes the whole time. And it did that thing that I really love in series books where the story wrapped up well in the end. Everything was wrapped up. She concluded everything really well. But there was just enough left hanging there that I wanted to immediately read the next one. I really liked it. I highly recommend this book to everyone. I was lucky enough to get an advanced review copy of this book. So it actually doesn't come out until June 26th. But when it does come out, I highly recommend picking this one up. I pre-ordered it for the store. I'm going to recommend it to everyone. I really, really, really loved it. Do you agree? Disagree? Have more to say? Tell me what you think in our Goodreads discussion thread. Just search for Tubby Ampersand Coos with an apostrophe S on Goodreads or follow the link in the show notes. Next month, I'll be discussing my first graphic novel, The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. This book has gotten a lot of press lately and Universal Pictures has already snatched up the film rights. The young adult graphic novel is a sweet story about the friendship between a seamstress named Francis and a prince named Sebastian, whose parents are looking for a bride for him. However, at night, the prince transforms. He puts on a red wig and his friend Francis's beautiful ball gowns and goes out in Paris as Lady Cristalia, the hottest fashion icon in the city where fashion reigns supreme. So if you decide to read this book with me, please go to our Goodreads discussion group and let me know your thoughts in the thread. I may feature them on the podcast next month. For this month's interview segment, I'd like to welcome Lania Knight. Lania lives in Cheltenham, England, where she's a senior lecturer in creative writing at University of Gloucestershire. She has a PhD in creative writing fiction from the University of Missouri. Her first book, Three Cubic Feet, was a 2012 Lambda Literary Award finalist in debut fiction. Her second book, Remnant, was released from Burlesque Press in March of this year. Welcome, Lania. Hi, thanks, Candice. And so Remnant, which is your newest book uh, that just came out a couple months ago, I feel like it has a really interesting premise. So can you tell us a little bit of what the book is about and the world in which it's set? Yeah, so it's set in the future, um, about 150 years um, in the American Midwest, specifically in Illinois. Um, most of it takes place uh near Cahokia Mounds, Illinois, which is um, an ancient sacred burial mound um, near the border with Missouri. Um, and uh, the premise is that a woman, sort of from our time or in, within the next two decades or so, um, who has a lot of access to money and power and um, genetic material and um, all kinds of scientists at her beck and call, um, begins to build a compound and um, starts working with cloning. Um, so she, she does those things. And while that's happening, um, weather patterns are changing drastically. Um, my prediction, and 
I, I realized it could go either way. We could get too much rain or we could get too little. And the way that I decided to go was we're going to get too little rain in the future. Um, and I also, uh, one, another premise of the book is that birth rates um, begin to fall drastically. So, uh, and that's because of toxins building up in the environment um, and people and in people's bodies. And that um, eventually <clears throat> there just aren't enough people, especially for this particular uh, character. Um, she builds a self-enclosed compound um, to kind of have protection from all the changing weather patterns. Um, and she has to grow her own clones, essentially, because there aren't really enough people to do the work for her that she needs. And why did you choose to go with weather and cloning specifically? Like, where did that idea come from? Yeah. Um, so the weather, I think, was just because there's so many scary things happening with the weather and and it's one of the sort of big things that as a child I would never have thought that humans could affect the weather, um, but it seems to be the case that we can. Um, and so uh, I wanted to kind of capitalize on on the systems that we as humans are affecting because we're doing things in such huge numbers, and that you know that this has um, carryover. Um, and the clones, um, that came from um, the initial image. You know, when you're writing fiction, uh, usually you start with the question, what if? Mm -hmm. And my what if question was, um, I was driving on the interstate in Illinois. Um, I was feeling very grumpy, having a, <laughs> a really tough day and uh, a tough week and a tough, tough month. You know, it was like kind of one of those periods of time. And um I was listening to Michael Pollan's book, Botany of Desire, um, on audiobook. And in that book, he argues, one of the things he talks about is that he thinks that, you know, it's not that we domesticated the plants. It's actually humans have been domesticated by the plants. Like, they've domesticated us. Interesting. And so I just kind of, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's an incredible book. A friend had told me to read it, and it took a long time, and um but when I was listening to it, I, so I had this idea in my head of just kind of things topsy-turvy, upside down, like really rethinking our relationship to plants and the natural world. And while that was happening, while I was having these deep thoughts on a grumpy day, um, I was overtaken by a livestock truck that was full of something, probably pigs, um, and, you know, there's all the staining down the side and the smell and it's horrible. And, oh, wow. And, yeah. And I just thought, what if what if that was full of humans? Mm. Um, so that that was my big what if question. And somehow the answer to that question included cloning. That um, is really cool story. <laughs> <laughs> It all started with livestock. <laughs> it did. It did. And so let's talk and, a little. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it, it, it was interesting choosing to write about clones because then I could sort of play with um, lots of different layers of, you know, if you some of the some of the characters in the book, they spend their entire lives like with their batchmates is what I call like 
the other clones Mm -hmm. who would have been propagated at the same time that they were, you know, what, what is it like to be around all these people? What is it like to have like generations that are older than you and to see how they age and to kind of anticipate that happening? Um, and, and so it was just, it was very interesting and to kind of see, um, myself mirrored in my parents and my grandparents and in my children and kind of looking at how we pass things on genetically um, and just maybe really aware of, of people and family structures and, and not family structures, but facial structures within families and how different characteristics get passed down. Yeah, that's really interesting. The science of it all is, is fascinating to me. Ooh, yeah. So I wanted to talk. Yeah, and, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little Sorry. bit about readers as well. Um, and so yeah. I, I wanted to know, and because all of this is really interesting, and like I said, the science is fascinating. So when you think about all of this, do you try to be like more original, or do you try to have a certain reader in mind and deliver what you think that person might want to read? How do you go about sort of figuring out how to put it all together? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Because um, where I started with the book is I was definitely writing it for me. Um, I was I was really upset about how things were going um, with the environment, um, that landscape that I described in the previous question when I said I was driving on the interstate. I was driving through a very desolate kind of landscape um, that was just full of cornfields and soybean fields and um, so I was I was really irritated and angry that I was driving through this area. It used to be all prairie. It used to have buffalo. There used to be Native Americans there. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we did a lot of things. Um, and so all of that kind of like historical kind of anger, it all got put into the book when I was beginning it. So that was all for me to kind of let go or do something with all these intense feelings that I had. But when it became about the reader was when I began working with my editor and publisher, Daniel Wallace at Burlesque Press. So I, you know, before he read it, of course, I had friends read it and they gave me comments and stuff. But Daniel was really the first person who kind of turned it around and really helped me see what the reader might struggle with. Um, And some of those things in particular were I was... Uh, telling different chapters from different characters' points of view. Um, and he and and it, it was really interesting because the world was so solid to me and all the characters I had created and everything had so much depth. But um, he helped me to see what it's like for a person entering this world for the very first time and how disorienting it was and kind of helped me see the ways that I needed to, like, provide uh, points of access and entry for the reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's like part of an editor's job, right? <laughs> Is to read it so that exactly. he's, a, he's a really good editor. <laughs> if he could say, okay, here's like it's a great story, but here's where the readers, you know, to help you sort of get all of that together. Right, right. Which was interesting because with my first book, um, it was a simpler book and for some reason it was easier and much more intuitive to kind of meet what I would call the reader's needs, you know, of moving a scene along, revealing enough, but withholding enough, 
um, world mm-hmm. building because even no matter if it's science fiction or realism or what it is, you still have to build the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, and I think that happened more easily in the first book and in the second book. Maybe it's because because the story was told from so many different characters' points of view the lens that the reader was looking through changed pretty radically Mm -hmm. um, again and again. And, um, and Daniel kind of helped me streamline some of that. And, and instead of telling it from like nine character points of view, brought it down to three character points of view in the first half of the book, and then let it kind of open up once the reader had a real foothold in what was happening, then kind of let them see. And this is what it's like from from this clone's point of view and then here's what it's like from this other clone's point of view yes so uh where can people find you if they want to look for you look for your work uh what's the best places for people to find that information yeah um i have a website it's www.lanianight.com and i'm on twitter um at lanianight um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but Twitter is probably um, the better place. Um, you can private message me if you need to, but it's kind of it's where I do my my writerly stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, I'd love to hear from readers and anyone who's interested in in the book or talking about writing. I love to talk about writing. Awesome, and of course, Elena's book is available at Tubby and Coos as well. So if you want to check out Remnant with clones, I think people who like the TV show Orphan Black would probably really also like Remnant. So thank you for your time, Lania. Thank you so much, Candace. And that's all the time we have for this month, folks. Join me again next month for more book industry news, my book of the month discussion of The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang, another edition of Tables and Fables, where I pair a book with a board game, and interviews with the three authors on our docket to be published in August. As you hopefully know, Tubby and Coos is publishing books now. We have three of them coming out on August 14th. And so all three of those authors will be on the podcast next month. So stay tuned for that. You can find a recap of this month's podcast, including links at www.tubbyandcoos.com slash blog. You can also find the bookstore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tubby and Coos, all one word. And finally, a list of all the books our book clubs are reading, this podcast book of the month, and more can be found in our Goodreads discussion group. Just search for Tubby Ampersand Coos with an apostrophe S or follow the link in the show notes. Tell us what you're reading. We'd love to discuss with you. We also, I just wanted to mention that we have a lot of great events coming up in June. So the weekend of June 22nd, we have our Kids Love Science Weekend. We'll have two authors, Chris Ferry and Ruth Spiro, who write board books for babies about science, things like Rocket Science for Babies and Baby Loves Coding. So definitely check that out. We also have a book launch that Sunday of that weekend as well. So we'll have a lot going on next weekend. So make sure that you check out our events page on the website as well for all of our great events. The music you heard today is by Jonathan Colton off his newest album, Solid State. Thank you for listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH. I'm your host, Candace Huber. Keep on reading. <laughs>